fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in. Deep. Pentagon turns the shot taken. Fourth and blocked in front. Vogel installed. Knocking on the door. Svetikov out of the corner. In back of the goal. The crowd's move. He scores. He did it again. Andre Svetikov. His second lacrosse-style goal. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks. He's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Pucks in Deep Podcast, episode 50. 50. 50! We've done this 50 times. Dude, 50 fucking times. I like it. I actually was thinking that last night as I was doing the intro, which, by the way, World Junior Preview coming up in the second segment. So get ready for that. But here I am at this exact table, maybe 12.30. I go, yeah, babe, I'm coming to bed anytime here. I'm just going to you know, fix up the intro. And I was working on... A nice little World Junior thing, which you uh, fine listeners will be in for a treat later. What happens? Computer. Frozen. No. Frozen. I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now. I was afraid. Did you lose anything? Well, other than my mind? (laughs) Actually, no. Ultimately, what happened is I decided to pull the plug and almost cried. And then by the time... It booted back up. I had a chance. It popped up and said the following whatever have been recovered. Would you like to restore them? And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) Technology saves the day. (sighs) Yeah. So, I mean, needless to say, pretty stoked for this episode, uh, my man. Like we said, episode 50. Thanks for joining us. Pucks and Deep Podcast at Coleman42 at Let's Go Adam. And uh, off the top, dude. The Svetch. Again. 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 How is it stopped? I don't know how it's stopped. That's my big takeaway. That was a big debate that emerged on Twitter last night was people saying, are they going to have to outlaw this? Because how does the goalie stop it? Especially on your blocker side. On your glove side, it might be feasible. But on the blocker side, unless you... You know, and goalies traditionally go down when the puck's behind the net, right? Yeah, of course. They're down, they got their posts covered, uh, you know, leg spread, and they're looking back and forth. Right. And you would have to get back up in order to, to make a stand-up save, for example, and actually block that top corner pocket of the net. Well, I would say most, if not all, of the goaltenders in today's game are tall enough to reach the crossbar with their actual shoulder. Right. Like the the part of their shoulder where you punch your buddy. Like right at the corner. When they're in butterfly? Or... Yeah. When they're in but butterfly. But they have to push up a bit with their feet, yes, right? Yes, they like do. You gotta, no, uh, I understand that. You, but... you got to get your pads off the ice a little bit, right? Yeah, but the point, well, the point is, is that you can move yourself up to the corner of the post. You can get there. But the problem I have is that, I don't know, it's just, I, first of all, let me let me clarify the word problem. I don't have a problem with it. I fucking love it. But uh, from a goaltender's perspective, I find it is almost unplayable because you can't anticipate it because you're looking to your left. Mm-hmm. And then you go, "Oh, he's going over to the right." And then and you slide over. You slide over. And what are you what are you going to do? Just assume that he's doing 
you never the, would the Michigan because then you're open to a you're open to you're all open kinds to, of bullshit. Well, you're open to like a standard wraparound. You if you if yes. you stood back up. No, my thing is basically the only way to save it is to absolutely sell the farm. Sell it. You got it. You got to go for it. You got to go. You're, he's doing the Michigan. Hmm. I have to get there. And by virtue of that, you completely expose any other opportunity. He could pass it to the guy walking in from the point. Mm-hmm. Far shot. You know, I don't know. You got to sell out and hope your D man can block some shots, I guess. You got to think now that Svechnikov has a unique thing in his arsenal. Whereas when he's behind the net, especially when he's coming from, uh, I guess, you know, if you're facing the net from the right to the left, fuck, man. Goys are sweating. They've got to be so scared because they, A, they don't want to be on that that highlight reel for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and B, you're like, is this guy going to fucking embarrass me right now? Like, what am I going to do here? Like, I wonder if, if goalies start to like, um, like toss up the stick or something like, like try and reach behind the post and, and intercept inter- like that stick seems, check them. Basically. I know but that seems like unlikely. Here's my solution. Cause to you it. know how, when guys throw wrap rounds, like you don't see as much anymore, but goalies used to just uh, have the, uh, stick square to the ice and then they just swing it around and trip dudes. <laughs> Dude, I have to do a sidebar on that, man. Me and my buddy Hendy were playing ball hockey in a warehouse at Lloyd's, you know, Lloyd's, the yeah. movie, right? So we were playing ball hockey in there and I was tender and he tried to pull some wraparound bullshit on me. And I, I did exactly what you just right. said. I swung my stick yeah. out and almost broke his shit. See, I'm thinking of something like that, except up in the air so that hopefully you, you knock it off. You knock the puck off his stick. That seems, again, that seems like such a strange, nonsensical goaltender play, though. Definitely, but don't you have to adapt? Well, here, so here was my solution. The, the adaptation would be on the defensive side. Once you see Svechnikov anywhere below the goal line, chase him. one guy must chase right. and stick check. Because if you give him time, he's like, meh, you know what? I'm, but here's I'm going to throw one down. Here's the thing about the time, dude. This one, to me, I don't know how you feel, but this one, to me, was more impressive than the first one. And let's be let's be clear also here. I cannot believe that I had to Google Svechnikov first lacrosse goal. <laughs> yeah. Like I had to ask for it because it's happened twice. So as I was typing it in, I was like, fuck, I can't believe I'm typing this in to look for the first one, not the second one. Because it was actually hard to find the first one because social media was totally right. lit up with the second one. Everything that hits is the most recent yeah, clip of it. The second one for me is more impressive. I don't know if you remember, dude, Mikhail Granlund. Uh, on Team Finland at right. the World Juniors pulled that off. Right. And it was actually very, very similar to the one that we just saw from Svechnikov in the sense that he didn't stop. You know the play is to like stop and then swoop it up and tuck yeah, it so in. Yeah, he, so he was going behind the net when he did this. Wasn't He, he did not stop, right? No, it was, he, he did was not like stop. an all-one motion. Yeah, so if you, if you listeners out there, if you don't know um, what I'm talking about from the World Juniors, just Google that goal, Mikhail Granlund World Junior Lacrosse goal. He it's almost a carbon copy. He's moving to the side of the goal and he doesn't actually do the pickup motion that we see. He actually just kind of I don't know how to explain it. He slices underneath he the kinda puck. He kind of scooped it. And he creates a wobble, like he personally makes the puck wobble and then just slides a stick under there and boom. Yeah. There she is. And I mean the thing that's also important to note here is these guys are wiping off and dusting off their fucking tape, maybe even retaping their sticks in between shifts. So the the tape is warm. Right. It's ready for the puck to be picked yeah. up. So any of you guys out there that are trying this at the outdoor rink, you you can probably get it done the first or second try 
if the tape is nice and clean, yeah, but see, then once I, it gets snowy, I can lift it's the puck like that on like try three. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, it's not something I'd ever dream of trying. Like that's all star game shit, right? Yeah, it is. But I mean, we're seeing it in the game. So, so I guess the question is like, should there be a rule or no? I say no just because it's fun. Not everybody can do it, and it's not like it's an epidemic. Like it's yeah, a guy did it twice. Good, good for him. Fucking stop him. Yeah, figure it out. No, you you can't. You, you can't. You just simply can't because the only way that you could maybe instill because it's not high sticking. So no, what are you gonna do? That's correct. But if you're gonna try and instill or create a rule to counter this play, it would have to be with regards to throwing the puck into throwing the, the net. Puck. The puck must be must be pro- shot propelled right shot you know propelled into the goal by, by legal action it. by legal action because what's to stop a guy i guess it's easier uh, in open ice but what's to stop a guy from picking up the puck and just wheeling while cradling it i do that all the I time i can see dudes who i can, do that all the time know, i pick I up in the odr i just knew guys who could who could do that all the time just wheel around with the puck and you know toss it every which way throw it up and catch it yeah like there's a lot of guys who can do some wild shit it's just interesting for Svechnikov because this, here's a guy who is actively looking for it and looking for opportunities to do it. Clearly, he didn't just go, ah, I'm going to try this. This is part of his arsenal now, essentially. You know what, though? I don't know if I necessarily agree with you as far as the second one is concerned. I think the first one, absolutely, you could tell because he stopped. He was there. He thought about he it. He was like, I'm going to do it. Whereas the second one, it, I think it was just... Yeah, he planned it, but I don't think he's. I think out he just there saw looking, the opportunity. Here, here and, comes and, and reacted. Yeah. He saw the opportunity and went, "I'm doing this. I'm doing this, and I can do it immediately. I can do yeah. it at the drop of a hat, which is the most impressive part." Yeah, but back Very to cool. back to the rule. Just quickly before we move on, um, the problem I have with that like propelling rule or throwing, like if you wanted to stipulate that you can't have the puck on your stick and throw it into the net, here's an issue. Do you remember the? First goal of the game, which I believe was in game six, I hope I'm right, against Washington. No. When Riley ripped it off the boards, it went off the fucking stanchion and it came out front and Matthews scored. Right. Like it that puck oh, yeah, actually that crazy play. it flipped onto oh, right. his and he just stick lifted it. And he threw Correct. it. Yeah. He threw it top shelf. So now you're gonna have coach's challenge right. because he threw it. So you're opening up a can of worms. Cause yeah, you're right. There are like a case, especially that one, because I remember that goal specifically because you're like, how the fuck did he raise the puck oh, that's bar how. down from in the crease. Yeah. And it, if you look at it, you're right, it's on it's on a wheel yeah. and he just scoops it. And, he didn't and mean to do that. It. it just happened that way. Well, I think it went onto his stick, and I think once he saw that, I think he had the plan. Definitely, like that—that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that it, it worked Flipped out, up, yeah. where it was, you know, in in a position for you to lift it up very easily. So you see, you can't you can't install a penalty. No, I guess so. That so no no to the rule, no to the fucking rule. And how many more times does it have to happen until NHL.com starts calling it lacrosse? You know how it says time of goal, and then it says style of goal: snap, slap, oh, yeah? tip. Or wrapper. This one's called wraparound. Ah, so I can I, I can get on board with it, I guess. But how many more times does it have to happen before NHL.com literally adds lacrosse? It's like a top shelf <laughs> wraparound, lacrosse, or, goal. An, or an upper wraparound, or something. Anyway, it's crazy. I'm already looking forward to the next time he does it. Uh, what do you think the odds are? Let's go. Someone else in the league will pull it off, or he does it for a third time. Heard some I think someone else is going to do it. I actually really? thought this when he did it the first time. 
I'm like, someone else is 100% doing this. Well, you'd have to think that if a guy like me, like I can even do the cool one where you pick it up between your legs and fucking right. spin around, but I worked on it forever. If some idiot like me can do that, these guys can handle well, they the can puck all in a definitely handle it. Like most guys probably can do it. It's, uh, it's just a matter of doing it in the game. And like you said, thinking about it. Yeah. Because most times you're like, you know, go behind the net. You're looking up. Who are my options? Who do I got? Who's coming in? Should I wrap around? Probably not because wraparounds are 90% dust. <laughs> 90% dust. <laughs> it's nice. not NHL 90 fucking three or NHL 94 when wraparound was an auto goal. Well, uh, speaking of NHL 93, NHL 94, you know who's been basically treating the NHL like it's NHL 93 or NHL 94 and there's a glitch? <laughs> Jack Eichel. Absolutely, dude. We talked about this guy on the last pod. I kind of thought, oh, we still have to. We have to. I will talk about Jack Eichel on this podcast until his streak is over. And he's currently at 17 games. Tonight, let's go, is a very important night. We'll see. Maybe it'll happen while we're recording with Mark. Who knows? I'm going to throw it on the TV for sure. If he scores tonight or gets an apple, if he gets a point tonight, it'll tie the franchise record for Philly, uh, for or sorry, for Buffalo, excuse me. Tonight in Philly, he has to do it in Philadelphia. It'll tie Gilbert Perot for 18 games consecutively with a point, which is a franchise record. Pretty awesome to be in the category uh, with a name like Gilbert Perot. Pretty interesting because he was on such a tear, and the uh, Maple Leafs faced off against the Buffalo Sabres earlier this week. Um, Matthews had that big uh, first couple periods where he buried some absolutely beautiful goals, which we'll get into a little more later. Uh, but Eichel responded, and uh, those guys have a, a little bit of a, a rivalry. I know they asked Matthews about it before the game, and, and Eichel as well. They're like, oh, we br- bring out the best in each other. And yada, you know, yada, did, yada. didn't want to play it up no. too hard, but y- you know two guys like that, buddies, competitors, uh, you know, they, they're both wanting to kind of upstage one another. And I know that Eichel had um, kind of – outplayed Matthews, I guess, the first time uh, yep. the Leafs played the Sabres. Yeah, fair. A lot Very of people fair. were kind of calling out Matthews for, for not rising to the occasion, right? Myself included. Yes. Uh, I had a big post in one of my Leaf groups. I said, look it, man. Why don't you look down the QEW and see your boy absolutely tearing it up? There was a time when the conversation was clearly in Matthews' favor. Right. Clearly. They showed the stats, too, from the both of them uh, against each other over the years. And uh, I, Matthews has the winning record side of things. But uh, I believe Eichel had the slight edge in points. But both uh, uh, very impressive performances over the years against each other. But obviously, we're talking Jack Eichel right now. Um, now, he must have put himself in the conversation of a lead of the league now, correct? Well, at this point, it'd be hard to overlook what he's doing. Like he's taken that next step from star to superstar. I feel like in the NHL, and and right now, you'd be hard pressed not to put him in the conversation for the Hart Trophy up there with McDavid, uh, Drysital, um, you know, Marchand, McKinnon, McKinnon. You know, Pasternak, Pasternak. I guess maybe Pasternak over Marchand. Yeah, but at this here's point. the thing, though. What what did you just do several times right there? I thought about Nikita Kucherov, and then I I just pictured him sitting on the bench, and, yeah. and I yeah. wasn't sure if I should say his name or not. <laughs> nice. No, but what I was getting at is what, what you just did there twice was name two players from the same team. So we have McDavid and Dreisaitl. Okay, great. I guess it's automatically McDavid because you can't really... Like, nobody, nobody's going to vote for both. Somebody's going to vote for one guy. Pick one, right? No, but what I'm saying is the vote will be split. You think so? Yeah, yeah absolutely. McDavid mm-hmm. and Dreisaitl will, 
effectively ruin each other's opportunity to win the award by sheer virtue by sheer virtue of the split vote between the two of them. Same thing with Marsha and Pasternak. You're going to split that vote down the middle because both guys are equally to the task. Sure, you might hang your hat on one over the other, but they're both right there. You go over to Colorado. Like for me, I got I got McKinnon and Eichel at this point in time. We'll see where they end up when the votes are cast at the end of the season. But I've got Nate the Great and Jack Eichel at the top for my heart candidates right now because of the fact that they're doing it, you know, alone so to speak and maybe even eichel more so like eichel is he doesn't have dry saddle he doesn't have really anyone man he yeah. has victor olafson right now like he's even, his best his best winger but like even jeff skinner has really regressed right i mean right. casey middlestat was they hoped maybe this would be the year well so far it's not yeah you were kind of hoping to step forward from some of the other young uh, young characters on the team. And it's then Jack. Maybe uh, a little more the Jeff Skinner magic that he put on last year. Like at least Nate has Makar, right? Uh, like, well, well, he's, normally he's normally has Landeskog and Rantanen, which which could be up in the conversation for best line in the league. Yes, and Rantanen could be actually if Rantanen was healthy this entire time. I think Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen would be the same as the, the Edmonton. Duo. Another split, mm-hmm. and then it, and then here comes Jack Eichel. Because no one knew who who to fucking give their first place vote to. Because that's the way it goes, right? There's first place votes, second place votes, and third place votes, I think. Right? Or so am I, guess, I wrong there? I, I think you vote for, like, he's my first place vote. And then they say, like, Adam Lesko won. And it's he a got, weird voting format. I actually looked at it today. Um, I believe it's hockeyreference.com or Quant Hockey, perhaps, has the the actual voting. It shows you how, like how many votes they got first, second, third, fifth place right. votes. I want to see who voted for whom. It's actually interesting. If you click on um, a player's profile there on the far right side, I believe they have a link that says uh, under awards, even though they haven't won, it just says like where they placed. They'll say Norris 11 oh, or something okay. like that. And I'll, and you click on it and it'll show you where they were in terms of the rankings. Nice. I hear a little bit about uh, John Carlson as well. And I think it just... It's just important to note how I feel on this one, Lesko. Um, I don't like D-men getting the Hart Trophy. I, if, if you really want to make me give you an answer on goaltending, I probably don't want to fucking see it there either. Do you have to either. lead the league in points, basically, do you think, to get it? As a D-man? Yeah. Because could, couldn't you argue that, say, Nick Lidstrom was the most valuable player on the Detroit Red Wings at one point, and say they win the Cup, doesn't that mean that he's... He's going to win the Norse. But should he not win the heart? It's not a forwards trophy. It's just. Yeah, but the forwards don't have a forward specific trophy. True. Except for the Selkie. Oh, great. Everyone, there's always those biases about wards that we always get into. But if they have best defensemen, if they have best defensemen, then they should have best forward, but they don't. So maybe add that in the Crosby Award. Whatever. But Once, once he's retired, it should just be the heart. You know what? Who's. What's who's a fucking D man that's won the heart the heart trophy in, in forever? I don't Pronger. Know. That's a good that's a good trivia question. Pronger won it. And Bobby Orr in the fucking seventies. You know? So I think Price has won it, if I'm not mistaken. That's and, correct. And you know, give him the Vesna and fuck off. Take your Vesna. You're you know what I mean? Like, you can't tell me that. I don't know who was finishing second or what the points were like that year, but let me just let me just give you a hypothetical, Lesko. 
you're the best goalie in the NHL. You had 48 wins or whatever, and you were just unstoppable. So you clearly win the Vesna trophy. But then why are you also winning the Hart trophy when another guy in the league was absolutely insanely dominant and beat everyone else, you know, in points by 17 and had 114 fucking points and just mm. dominated the season. Are you really giving the goaltender both the Vesna and the Hart and ignoring the other guy's phenomenal season as a forward? So I pulled it up real quick here and the last defenseman, you're correct, is Chris Pronger. And that was in 99, 2000. Yeah. And I believe that was, was it not his rookie year? Oh, now like you're close. Now you're, you're stumping the Schwab yeah, here. Yeah, I you're, don't know. you're close <laughs> to his rookie year. But previous to that, I guess uh, going back to the goaltender point, um, you're right. Carey Price last one to win it in 1415. And then going back uh, for even further, 0102, Montreal Canadiens goaltender Jose, Jose Theodore won the, won the Hart Trophy as well. I love that But then that previous guy. to that, Dominic Hasek in back to back seasons, 96. 96, 97, and what I hear when people refer to those years that he won the Hart Trophy is that there was no way they couldn't give it to him because he took a Buffalo team that had no business being even a fringe playoff team to, like, cup finals and, and conference finals. You said 98, 99 for Dom? Yeah. Or no, 96, 97, 97, 98. Oh, jeez. Now you're getting me all hung up and shit. NHL points leader. I want to find out because... Oh, who who maybe should have got it? Sure. I want to know... Yeah, I want to know... Who, well, not should have. I'm not going to go that far. But like, man, Yager had 102 points in there 77 was, games. They were sick of Yager at that point. Yeah, but he had 102 fucking points. He had 35 goals and 67 apples that was in the 77 time too, games. That was the time, too, when Yager had a bad rap for like being... A, being kind of a fucking dick yeah. and a floater and no, a hot you're right. shot, all Fine. that. But he was 1.325 points per game yeah, that That's season. how fucking good Hasek was, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. 25-year-old anyway, Yager. 30, with, dude, 36. Was he, was he with Pittsburgh or Washington at that point? Uh, I don't have. I'm not privy to that okay. information. But uh, I don't know. Probably Washington. But uh, number four on that list, Wayne Gretzky. 36 years old, 90 points in 82 games played. Played a whole season. You know, Gretzky had 1,000 points by the time he was fucking 23. Yeah, he was the fastest player to 1,000 points. And then the, insane. And then the next fastest player to 1,000 points is also Wayne Gretzky in his <laughs> next 400 and some games. Yeah. I saw that stat recently. Yeah. Pretty fucking crazy. I guess going back to Yager and Crosby and the Penguins, okay. um, we want to segue into those guys right now. Nicely done. Um, I haven't missed a beat despite uh, losing Evgeny Malkin to, what, a month to begin the season? And then since Malkin came back, what do you have, three or four games? Then Crosby goes down yeah. with an injury, and they just keep humming along. And they've got others, too. I mean, yes, that those are their those are their two big guns, of course. But, I mean, they've got uh, Horn, Hornquist was down for a while, and I don't even know if he's back yet, to be honest with you. Um, who else went down? Uh, Bukestad, who was a big ad for them, big free agent ad. Or was that a trade? Fuck, I'm making myself look dumb here. Who cares? Injured, right? Like they've been going through a lot of injuries. And it's almost like clockwork, dude. Like when Crosby goes down, Malkin is the guy. He he steps up every single time. Why why doesn't he just play that way all the time? Even when when Crosby's back. It's just nice to know he has that extra gear. And and if you're a coach or whatever, knowing that this player has that extra gear that, yeah, Malkin will be fine. He he know, he almost understands like yeah I gotta step it up and he has it it's not just like he's trying too hard in the absence of Crosby um, 
I've been really happy because I missed out on him um, as a fantasy keeper for myself for the early part of the season, and he's come back and been lights out well over a point per game right now. But how about Tristan Jari as, as well? Like that guy, you know, he, I know he was battling even for the backup position with the Smith for quite a while, but now is as it's challenging probably going to start challenging Matt Murray's job if he keeps it up at this rate. I felt like the general manager of, of the fucking century when I picked him up and he went back to back donuts and then, and then whatever happened, I think he might've lost one or they won. I can't remember, but then he got a fucking shutout again, again. like three shutouts in four games. And I was just like, I'm the fucking best GM. I'm I'm in a terrible spot in that league. Uh, but 10 and five, um, and three shootout losses, so 10-5-0-3 oh, uh, is the record this season for Jari through 15 games. I mean, three shutouts, 940 save percentage, 1.85 GAA. I mean, those are numbers that I don't think they are sustainable. Let's go. Let's, you know, let's be honest here. He's Probably a, not. He's having a great season and everything, but I don't story. think he's going to finish the season with a 185 and a 940, and I hope he does. I mean, I guess I don't because it'll affect the Leafs too, but... You know, I, I like to see players do great things, and that's exactly what he's doing at this point in time. And like you said, I think a bit of a surprise, but a great surprise. It's almost like the exact same Matt Murray situation. Matt Murray can't be too angry about this because he fucking did the same thing to Flurry. Basically, and, and <laughs> it's, that's the typical Pittsburgh Penguin thing is that every year they roll into town, and I look at who's playing with Sid and Malkin, and I'm. And it's, as some guy you never heard of. NHL made up names. Pretty much. Or like, and you look at it and like, oh yeah, this is so-and-so just came up from Wilkes-Barre. He's got 50 points. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. who the fuck is this? Like right now, uh, for example, um, uh, Jake Gensel, like a few years ago, no idea who this guy was coming right. out of college. I mean, he's one of their best players outside of Malkin and Crosby right now. Brian It might have been one of the reasons why they were very comfortable with uh, trading Phil Kessel, knowing that Jake Gensel was going to put up the kind of numbers that he's putting up this season. Yeah, for sure. And also to save money on hot dogs. Sure. Why not? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I guess you got to buy some extra workout equipment because, uh, or dust off Phil's old spin bike there. But yeah, man, 10, four and three, um, since Crosby went down and they've won three straight twice in that time frame. So, I mean, they're really not hurting at all. If you're Crosby, you're almost a little bit offended, Hey boys, like I thought I was a little bit more important than that. <laughs> like, obviously I'm kidding. He wants them to win every fucking game, but imagine hey, you're kind of like, man, these guys are killing it. And that must just make him all that more excited to get back into the lineup. That, and also, and if you're from the team standpoint and Crosby standpoint, you got to realize like no pressure here. Like take your time, make sure you're a hundred percent. And I'm sure Crosby knows better than anybody at this point, uh, how important it is to, come back from an injury feeling 100% so as to not re-injure yourself. So last point on Malkin before we move on. Uh, scored his 400th goal recently as well, Lesko, in the 4-1 win over the Flames. Uh, he's the fourth Penguin to score 400 goals. That's Mario with 690, Crosby with 451, Yager with 430. The most spoiled fan base in the last, in so. our lifetime, for I, sure. I, I think you're right. And he's also the seventh Russian to score. Like, you don't just have like four good players over 30 years. You have four all-time Hall of Famers. Four, easily. All-time. All-time Hall of Famers. Like all and that's not to mention Paul Coffey, Ron Francis, sure. Mark Reckie. Like yeah. I'm talking Crosby, Malkin, and Mario and Yager. All universe. 
Yeah. And Flurry is maybe up there. Yeah, absolutely. You he's, know, by the time he's all said and done. definitely a bonafide Hall of Famer. Um, I'm not going to do the bingo calls, but he is the seventh Russian to score 400 as well. Names like Ovechkin, Fedorov, McGillney, Burry, uh, Burry, excuse me, Kovalev, and Ilya Kovalchuk, where we can head to next. Let's go. You've got some news on Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, so uh, earlier in the week, Kovalchuk's contract was terminated by the LA Kings. Uh, did we not... Uh, cursed this contract out when it first came out, like paying him six million bucks or something over four years. Wow! And not only by this contract termination too, because he's over a certain age. No there's buyouts. a penalty. There's no, there's no circumventing the cap here. They're yeah. being stuck with a six point nine million dollar cap hit, I believe, or six point seven million dollar cap hit up until twenty twenty two. So the next two years, you know, thankfully. If they're actually going full rebuild here, they're not in a position to compete, so it shouldn't bother them that much. But shit, this did not work out whatsoever. Now, it's been reported that teams are looking at him and looking at him seriously. I know as early as today, uh, I forget who reported it, but they pointed out that uh, most teams are taking the holiday break just to talk to their coaches, find out if there's a, a good fit somewhere in the lineup for this guy. And allegedly, he will play for league minimum. And just trying to find the right fit, whatever that is. But if if was was LA the only team that was going to pay him? Is that why he went there? Because he certainly didn't go there to win. Or and if he did, he would have been delusional. Because we knew full well that they were in a position to contend. <laughs> did we though? We didn't think that uh, Minnesota was in a very good position to contend, and they're doing all right. I mean, I, I'm going a little did you say bit. Minnesota's doing all right. Well, they're. They're not they're doing Minnesota is what they're doing. Yeah, I guess. Actually, yeah, I guess you're right, eh? But, you know, they basically what I'm saying is, I guess, at any point in time, in any given season, it, there's nothing that is a given going into the year. Yeah, I guess like, he, you know, I guess they going into that season when they signed him uh, previous to last year, I feel like most people knew they weren't going to be that good. No, I think what you said is fair. I mean, I guess I'm just playing a little more devil's advocate than anything, but... Um, no, I don't, I don't, what your question was, did he go there or no, your question was, did the LA Kings, were they the only team that would want to pay him? And I don't think that that would be the case because I I feel like someone would have had at least some dollars on the table. Yeah. I think the real answer to your question is that LA gave him more cash. And the reason for that, I have no idea why, like if they were outbidding a team, like someone, Arizona, or I don't care who else you want to think of, if they were outbidding someone who said, hey, Ilya, we'll give you we'll give you five and a half to come here. And then he goes over to LA and they give him the six, seven or six, nine, whatever it is. They like, must have been given more than anyone else, I feel like. And maybe it was a last ditch effort for the Kings to be like, see what we can do. Relevant. Maybe this will, maybe he'll be able to play top six and put up 30 Genos and, and put us in the playoffs. But... I mean, it doesn't seem like a good decision by the Kings or even by Ilya Kovalchuk because why else he come back to the NHL? It probably isn't to make money. I bet you made more in the K than he did here. No, and now the fact that he that he's okay with playing for league minimum would would go to show that he doesn't need the cash. He just wants to keep I playing. Wants, I assume he wants to keep playing and win. But I I'm gonna leave it on this note on Ilya Kovalchuk. What I find most disappointing about the entire situation this is going back to that ludicrous contract him. Quote, in air quotes, retiring from right. the NHL Fucking is we got cheated from some of, you know, a, 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 an elite, elite goal. So he was one of the best goal scorers in the NHL when oh, he left. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, if you, you know, if you remember correctly, 
before he left, uh, New Jersey Devils went on that cup final run. Yeah. And he had like 20 some points in that run. I don't care what parameters you lay out in front of me. If you want me to give you a list of whatever, 10, 10 players that I can, you know, in my, in my life, in my, in my generation, Kovalchuk is going to be on that list as far as goal scorers are concerned. I don't care what the numbers are. He was unstoppable at one point. Un, un, unbelievable. There was a point in time, Atlanta Thrashers and leading into the Devils, where he was a threat every single time he was on the ice. And he also played entire two-minute power plays, entire oh, yeah. four-minute power plays, oh, five-minute majors, yeah, he'd play the up, point, yeah, yeah. and just rip shots from the point. <laughs> like, literally, he's the perfect... He's the perfect player to use the word lethal to describe his his shot. His scoring ability was was something like we hadn't seen before. And I believe he was on the scene just a little bit before Ovechkin came along as right. well. Yeah, he paved the way. Right. I know I've talked about this to you before. I won't go right into it. But that's I, I, I'll always have a soft spot for Kovalchuk because of how incredibly dominant he was in whatever year of NHL. Oh my God, he was so NHL good. NHL 08 or 09. You would play Atlanta just to have the Heatley-Kovalchuk uh, combo and just score. Yeah, but the reason why I Infinitely. the reason why I would use it and people used to quit on me because it would take too long is I would put Ilya Kovalchuk on every single line. Oh, on line every line. <laughs> and on the power play and the PK and four on four and penalty Just because you could score so easily with yeah, him? Yeah, the only way he wouldn't play 60 minutes is if I took a penalty with him. That would be, and of course, because I'm using him all the time, I naturally would take lots of penalties with him. But I, he, I'd score four or five fucking goals against guys online, even if he was dead tired. I used to do that with Yager and like NHL 08 Rangers on the ice. Him and Shanahan on the ice, like eighty <laughs> percent of the game. That's amazing. Oh yeah, just the last year for you to be able to hang on to those guys you grew up watching, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So speaking about guys that uh, you grew up watching. I want to go off the ice for a moment and talk about the birth of the new franchise, the Seattle Blanks, because we don't know what they're Seattle somethings. The Seattle somethings. Wouldn't that be a great name? They're Probably really, not. they're really something. Those boy. boys, they're something <laughs> they're out there. Something. <laughs> so Seattle won't stick around on it too, too long, Lesko, because it's not like we have fucking breaking news or anything like that. But I read an interesting article on the Athletic today. That's right. I pay for the Athletic. Look now. at you. Well, I grew fucking facial hair. I, yeah. you know, subscribe Changing. to the Athletic. I'm becoming a real man's man. Uh, anyways, Minus the plant diet. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so Seattle, very interesting. Um, very cool, Lesko. Basically, everyone that put a deposit down and became season ticket holders for the Seattle somethings have been one at a time, six to 10 people per week come in and they go into this little facility, something, where they're able to use CGI and stuff. Like a, like a VR type setup? I or? think so, yeah. yeah. To pro- Basically to project. To project the viewing. The seats. Even with the arena being not finished at this time. Oh, it's not even, yeah. Oh, no, wow. this, I don't even think the seats are in. So wow. the arena is not even close. They, they're they just, want to show you what the viewpoint looks like. Yeah, and they already have it mapped out for like where the concessions are, where's the restaurants. How close are you to beers bath, and piss? Bathrooms, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so all these people are coming in one at a time. Like I mentioned, six to 10 groups a week will come in, spend about uh, 30 minutes to a, to an hour choosing the seats that they want. I think that's really, really, really cool, man. Like it makes me jealous that I'm not in a position as a 32 year old to live in an area where an NHL team is coming and be that person and get in on the ground floor and come in 
and choose my seats. And it got me thinking, where would you choose your seats? If you like one guy, uh, his testimonial was that he was so jacked. He was number eight, number eight out of like 31. Oh, so they prioritize I guess how you how quickly you signed up yeah, with yeah. where you get to choose from, and that was obviously. I guess it a depends on show. the cash you got. So the assumption that you have unlimited cash, I'm gonna yes. say like, yeah. I'm gonna say like thirteen, fifteen rows up, bottom bowl, because I've sat there in the ACC with my uh, company I used to work with had had uh, seasons, unbelievable, and they're awesome seats because they're just a cut above the glass. Oh, so you get a good down view on the action okay. and you're not obstructed whatsoever. You can still see into the near corner or far corner, but uh, on the, on your side of the ice, right? which is sometimes you had to still have that puck blind spot, obviously when the pucks up against the boards, but probably less than say being any lower than that. Okay. And that's, I like that. I kinda, so, like center ice ish. Yeah. Even off the side of the bench is nice. I was going to say bench side, extra, bench side or, or, or even box Even being side. offset of the, the bench a little bit is nice because the glass is higher there uh, in behind the bench because it's um, the way it's mounted or whatever. But you'd want to be behind the benches? See, because I'm thinking it would be, I would almost want to be on the other side so I can see the boys. Right. So you can see, see the coaching. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Right. So if I'm, if I'm doing what you're doing and, and getting to a certain area within the hundred level section where I can get a great, great view, I think I want to be on the opposite side so I can see the benches and shit like mm. that. Now, as I got to thinking about it, I thought, no, I'd have to get glass seats. I would have to get glass seats. They would probably be in the opposition zone so that I get to see all their team warm up because I'm going to the rink every fucking day. I can wander over and watch my home team warm up. It's not like when we go to Ottawa and we clearly go to the Leaf end and fucking be like, yeah, let's go, Leafs, go. Like, if I'm a season ticket holder, I kind of want to see the opposition come in. I want to see McDavid and Crosby do their little dangles over here. So I'd get the, the tickets right on the glass in the opposition zone and then when there is a really, really awesome game that I don't want to miss a second, like I don't want to have to look at the Jumbotron, I would just sell my glass seats to someone for a ridiculous price and use the money I Go made. Go buy some 300s. No, just buy some ones that you like in yeah. the 15 rows up right. because I don't want to miss this fucking game. But when we play this team or that team, you know, basically let's call it 28 out of 41 home games. 28 out of 41 home games, you're going to sit at your glass seats and absolutely enjoy the game up close and personal. And then the other 13, 12 times or whatever it is, you're going to get seats up in the in the nice hundreds because you want to really enjoy the game. I actually had this problem recently when deciding what tickets to buy for the Leaf game on February 15th. We're right. going down. And I, I, had, I was either going to choose like three rows up from the glass or somewhere in the hundreds right basically smack dab at fucking center ice. And I was like, man, what do I want to do here? Like, do I want to be close to the action or do I want to see the whole game? And I'm thinking this is way too important of a game. I'm going to get the seats where I can see the whole game. As if you're like, you said you were going to sit close though, weren't you? Like right around the tunnel? Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Right at literally the first row above the fucking tunnel, which is going to be so cool. I've never sat that close in Ottawa. I usually try and aim for either the corner seats or like center ice in, in, uh, in that barn to watch the Leafs play. Yeah. I might, I might still scoop tickets. I'm thinking. You should. I mean, dude, like these tickets. You can give me a ride. Absolutely. and all that. Absolutely. These tickets fucking cost me $710. That's fucking 
fucking wild. Because, like, even last year, I remember when you and I went, we were like, 150 bucks. Like, what the fuck, Ottawa? Yeah. Like, they're really jacking us up these days. And those are face value, Lesko. Like, yeah. They're, they're, I, I bought them from the Ottawa Ticket General fucking group sales. It was group sales because right. I, I was thinking about going with a buddy of mine. He is coming, but he's like, I'm not dropping that much money on it, man. And, and the reason why I am, like, I didn't, I didn't say get off your wallet or anything like that. I just, I even told him the reason. I said, bro, I know Sheldon personally. Like, he will know me when he sees you, my I face. I just picture you when you told me that, just you waving with a big grin on your face. No, see, that's hey! dumb. Yeah, but that's dumb, though. You're making me sound like a stupid fanboy. I know, I know. But that's I, just what I pictured because I, know. I just see you getting, like, fucking giddy excited about it. And just every time he, like, looks in your direction, you're just... Fucking yeah. waving your hand like a maniac. Like, don't hey! get me wrong. Inside, I'm going to be fanboying I the know, freak I out. Know. But overall, I just want to be that close to the action and potentially snag some sort of sweet autograph on something. Like, this is the time for the team. So I'll be there for warm-up. Like, I'm not going to fucking bother these idiots during the goddamn game. Yeah. But sometimes they come out. If you want an autograph, you got to be like 20 years younger, I think. I don't know, dude. I you got- should bring a kid. Find a kid to bring. Fuck, dude, I was getting Leave autographs. your wife at home and bring a child Bro, with you. I was getting autographs in like third and fourth year university. I'm 23. I don't look that much different. Yeah, you're, a little, when, you're a pretty young looking guy. Yeah, though. that's what I'm saying. So You got the big baggy jersey on. Makes you the, look even like, younger. I got Tavares' autograph right there. Yeah, Tavares is just a good local guy though, right? Yeah, but he was he's he's so stoic. Like It's true. It's not just on camera and shit. Like, the guy has no personality. Yeah, my mom met him back down in Tampa last year and she said he was just... It was awesome with the fans, but again, like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, just here's my autograph. I'm gonna take a picture. Sure, I'm not gonna smile. But well, it's not about what he is as a person; it's how well he plays yeah. hockey, right? Going back to the Sens, though, uh, talking about being in their barn for okay. some Maple Leaf games, but uh, I want to have a little positive news Sens segment. Doesn't exist. Of, well, we remember we talked about earlier in the year that we were gonna, whenever there was some good Sens news, we were gonna bring it up because we got a lot of Sens listeners. And we ragged on them so fucking hard over all the drama that went on over the last couple seasons. They deserve it. So I did want to pump their tires a little bit because they're not terrible right now. I don't know if I call them good. They're reminiscent of the pesky Sens, I feel like. I said to my, I can't even remember who the fuck it was. Can't give you a shout out, bud. I said, why are the Sens good? Like, I didn't understand why they were good. And I believe whoever it was, the response was, all the former Leafs. <laughs> I just started fucking laughing. Because I said, you know, they're like, well, the Leafs aren't doing too good right now. Well, they're doing a lot better than Ottawa is. But when you look at the expectations for those two teams, I think Toronto is definitely failing more in terms of the expectations as it relates to Ottawa. Because I feel like they everyone, had none. They had none. Right. They had negative none. i got to give some credit as well to GM Pierre Dorian and and mostly mostly because he's done something that I think the Maple Leafs have actually done well over the last several years, and that's find deals, find players, the guys who people gave up on, um, and 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 guys who were unwanted or, or bounced around, finding value in those one million dollar, one point five million dollar contracts. Best example I can think of right now in the Ottawa Senators, and probably their best player this season outside of Kachuk. Is fucking Anthony Declare? Oh yeah, the Duke. Okay, this guy, this guy's played for five NHL teams and what is he, 23, 24 years old? Like the guy's been around, and here he is now sitting with nineteen goals in thirty five game, uh, thirty five games played. He had a hat trick the other day against Columbus Blue Jackets, including the overtime game winner. 
So I, I, I love to see it. It's a good story. It's it's one of those guys that and if you think back to when he played for the World Juniors in Canada, this guy was a big part of that gold medal team. Yes. And he came in on the scene, and the Rangers kept him as an 18-year-old, and he put up 20 genos in his first year, but then couldn't seem to stick anywhere else. Yeah, he was a good scorer, and I mean, obviously, I'm not sure if you mentioned um, the length of his contract. He was just signed to a year, right? Correct. So, I mean, I know it's only one year deal, but it is still a contract year. Any year that's expiring is a contract year. And for the guy to be able to put up 19 goals, as you mentioned, he's kind of got a little Cy Young thing going on here. 19 and seven, eh? Like you know, you know what I'm talking about the Cy Young for right. baseball. You got like you have 28 goals and four assists. <laughs> like that wins the Cy Young. That difference in in goals and assists from wins and losses. But uh, yeah, 19 and seven, 26 points. Like he's absolutely tearing it up as far as being on the Ottawa Senators and being a go-to guy. I don't know if he goes elsewhere and has this level of output, but I mean, that remains to be seen. And the great thing is, is that given what he's done, I mean, unless he completely forgets how to compete or doesn't score another goal for the rest of the season, he's pretty much already guaranteed, let's go, that teams are going to line up next year. Absolutely. Guaranteed. With this many goals, yeah. and he could fall off for the rest of the year, but somebody would definitely take a chance on him. But like I said, credit due to the Ottawa Centers for taking a chance on this guy. And 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 also, it it's a two-way street in how well it works. The situation just works because Duclair gets an opportunity to use his talents to play in a top six role, which I know when he was in Chicago and even when he started to fall out of favor in Columbus did not get those kinds of opportunities. And here's a guy who's making the most of it. Happy to see it. Um, the other thing I want to talk about in terms of Ottawa Senators news was this absurd amount of ice time that Thomas Shabbat played the other day. Oh my God. I thought it was a typo when I my buddy told me. I couldn't believe it. So... For those of you that don't know, against Tampa Bay, the, the Ottawa Centers lost 4-3 in overtime. But Thomas Shabbat played 37 minutes and 50 seconds in that game. Now, I know they got a few energies, or sorry, in, energies, injuries at um, on the back end right now. But how in the fuck does somebody play that much? I mean, even if you take away the full five-minute overtime. That's oh, still I, absurd. Oh, they won in OT, though, so... So it wasn't even the full five. Or no, sorry, they lost. Right, Excuse it me. wasn't even the full five. Right. So, but even if you take away the full five, you're still at thirty-two fifty. Yeah, which absolutely. is still crazy. But thirty-seven fifty is nuts, dude. What is it? That's got to be up there. In yeah. Terms so it's of the second time. highest since it was first tracked in nineteen ninety-seven. And uh, Jenna, no, Dennis Weidman, believe it or not, oh. is the record holder with thirty-eight minutes and five seconds, January eighteenth. Uh, Calgary versus Vancouver in 2014. Now, when asked about it, uh, head coach DJ Smith had mentioned, well, you know what? Why I should have just left him out there for, put him out there for an extra 15. Wasn't going to hurt him at that point. True. Very true. Go yeah. out there for the wreck. And had they known, and because and, they asked him if he, he had known, did you realize that he was playing this many minutes? He's like, no, not at the time. Or I would have kept him out there a little yeah, longer. Yeah, to get the record, eh? Right. That's crazy, man. Dennis Weidman, 30, over 38 minutes. Why the fuck is Dennis Weidman on the ice? It was funny the- because a lot of the comments on Twitter were like, Dennis Weidman, what the fuck? But like this was like when Dennis Weidman was his prime. Like he was he was a dominant defender at this point in time. Dominant shutdown, I would say, defender at this point in time. But that must have been, I'm looking it up here. That must have been a significant, there's... Oh, dude. But that's the fucking game 
where Tortorella put all his goons on first shift and everyone Oh, everyone brawled. Everyone then he tried to brawled. go to the dressing room. Who? When Tortorella tried to storm the dressing room. After, yeah. Right. McGrath oh, was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. That every, was that day. So everyone, they were short a few guys. Yeah. Three guys got game misconducts. And there's probably a defender or two, two in there. Two D-men on Calgary. Okay, well, there you go. Okay. That's what I was kind of getting at. I was like, there's got to be... There has to be something. There well, I was thinking be. that about Shabbat, and I realized it's just because they have several injuries right now. I believe DeMello and... Uh, yeah, but you're still dressing six D-men. You still have you three are, pairs. but the guys you're addressing. Yeah, but you're Ottawa. Are you chasing a fucking playoff spot here? or like? No, but fuck it, man. I mean, you can't help yourself when you're a coach sometimes. You're just like... You look at the bench, and you're like... I don't even know who those two guys are playing six, five and six. Five and six. So you get the fuck out there again. Yeah, but I mean, what if you 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 know you know injure your guy? Maybe you know. I guess he's young. He's full of piss and vinegar. Exactly. Right? Good lung capacity there. He was he, twenty <laughs> years old. You can play that. No yeah, problem. He can get it done. All right. Where are we headed next? Uh, Taylor Hall trade. Okay. Biggest oh, news, nice. I guess, of the last week that we have yet to get into. Nice. Um, so the Arizona Coyotes pull off the big Taylor Hall trade. How many games they scratch him for? Was oh, he was scratched for like two or three, like four games. Okay, because I looked at him. Um, I have him on my fantasy squad, and I pulled up the list. I'm like, holy shit, he hasn't played in like four or five games here. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, I guess you know we all knew he was getting traded. There was a lot of speculation coming into this, and then once the New Jersey Devils began scratching him, it only became more obvious where this was headed. And I know the Arizona Coyotes were rumored. I believe St. Louis kicked tires. Uh, allegedly, Calgary and Edmonton were looking at it. But uh, I heard some Colorado too. Does Edmonton lose this trade again? In the fact, <laughs> in the fact that they don't get him back, and he get they got. Sorry, the Devils got more than they got at the time. Well, I think so. If you're doing a trade tree, you'd have to factor that in. And if you're really doing an overall evaluation of how it's you know, shaken down, then I think, yeah, you have to say that two games, by the way, two games scratched. Okay. Yeah. Back-to-back games. You, you have them in fantasy though. So it felt like four felt like forever. <laughs> and, and it felt like he's been scratched all year. He's got six fucking goals. Yeah. I think that's going to turn around, man. I recently dropped Phil the thrill and it didn't feel great about it, but I wasn't before the trade. Oh, well before, okay. well before he's been gone off my roster for a couple weeks now. I was, I was just fed up with him, but now I'm, I'm feeling like he's going to play with hall and fucking light it up or something. It'll be know. really interesting to see if those two guys, two kind of big personalities, two goal scorers, if they can find a way to, to work things out. Cause I, I took a look at the Arizona coyotes lines uh, after this and they still, they still not scary. But it, it, I think it's really great for the fans, for the organization. Uh, clearly, are a new a new era in in Arizona, if you could put it that way. That they are, um, you know, making big moves. Um, obviously, hopefully, going to start spending a little more money as well. You know, if they uh, take a run at retaining a guy like Taylor Hall. I mean, they didn't have anybody who made over five million bucks for the last decade. Yeah. Right. So for them to go out and get a big fish. It's rewarding the team who's had an excellent season right now, sitting first in the division, and rewarding the fan base as well. Well, they got to show Austin Matthews that they mean business. Oh, fuck. I hate how you always bring that up. (laughs) Shit drives me nuts. Listen, though, um, I I hear some people saying, you know, maybe high price, whatever. In my opinion, I didn't feel like it was a high price at all. I I know you lose the, the draft picks, which can be really important. Yada, yada, yada. That's for the future to decide. But I think if we're looking at this right now, what made it a big win for me 
other than getting Taylor Hall. Clearly, that's a win. But what made it an even bigger win for me was that they did not have to lose either of their two top A prospects, Barrett Hayden, who we'll talk about in our next segment, which we have to get to, by the way, yes. or or Victor Soderstrom. They had two highly rated top draft picks, and it was rumored that any deal involving Taylor Hall was going to have to include one of these guys. And let's go. I think that would have been fair. But you know what? We're seeing a transition here now. Rentals are not worth that much. And without a guarantee of a contract, you are losing a top A mm. prospect. That's what you lose. Yeah, and, and you got to figure they took a good run at being like, and if you're Arizona management ownership, you're probably like, I, we want to make the playoffs. We want to maybe make a little dent in the playoffs. And I think this really ups the opportunity for them to do that. Just to put everything into context here for the listeners, but uh, so Arizona Coyotes gave up a 2020 conditional first round pick, uh, conditional 2021 third rounder, along with forward prospects Nate Schnarr, Schneer. Nick Merkley. Merkley. And defenseman Kevin Ball, who apparently who was the kind of jewel of the situation, uh, was one guy that they were a little bit hung up on and was allegedly not someone they were willing to part with. Uh, so it's good for New Jersey, I guess, getting that kind of return. Um, what's most interesting as well is that the 2021 third rounder um, upgrades to a second if, he, if they win a playoff round or... If he resigns, oh, so it's an either-or situation. Oh, it's an or, right? An cool. either-or. Either I, I thought so. If he gets and. one for two, if they get one of those two things, it turns to a second. Oh, right on. So, See, I must have just misheard. I, I, I had thought that it was they had to do both of those things, which I remember thinking is kind of. Not a stretch necessarily. I'm not going to say that they can't win a playoff round. We'll see. Anything can happen. But the re-signing was my issue. I think that that's a that's a, a light hook to hang your hat on. That he's going to yeah. re-sign there. I don't so imagine either or is nice. I don't imagine Hall's super stoked. Like let's say he's paying attention to the rumors and he hears like Calgary, Edmonton, St. Louis. He hears names like that kicking tires on him. And then you end up in Arizona, which also was rumored to be a, a, a primary contender for his services. I believe Florida as well was another destination. Do you think out of all those teams, you probably last on your list is maybe Arizona? I don't know, dude. I mean, I think maybe if you ask the players that question from years past, then yeah. And maybe the reputation for the Coyotes precedes themselves by being the right. team that you don't want to go to. But now with the new ownership, man, it looks like things are a go. Checks are blank, and here we go. Like, right. Maybe not that far, but you know, it's an exciting time for them. It is. Yeah. And I'm not really, I'm not joking that much about the Austin Matthews thing. I mean, now we should move on from ragging on these guys all the time. Too. I agree. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to the Coyotes, man. They do a really good job of the whiteout in the playoffs. I don't know if you can give them credit for starting it or whatever, but I remember stole it. Yeah, stole it. Fine, but they do a really good job in the playoffs. I know they get a lot of flack from the 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 general fan north of the border that they can't put anyone in the seats but hopefully you know a step like this goes a long way in in terms of putting butts in the seats and creating an exciting atmosphere down in glendale yeah one other thing i wanted to put into context about the taylor hall trade was i mentioned that they are leading the pacific division currently but uh the interesting about the division right now is no one's running away there is only eight points that are currently separating the arizona coyotes with the Vancouver Canucks, who sit last in the Pacific Division right now. How quickly did it slip away from Vancouver? I and, and when the division's like that, that tight, when the division's that tight, a four-game losing streak, a three-game, or even can put you from obviously from second or even first 
down to last place in the division. So that one's still wide open. Lots of the divisions are still like that. Yeah. It's great. I mean, even you look at our division, the Atlantic, fine. You got Boston who is quote unquote running away with it. They've had some slides recently. Yeah. But they still have built up such a cushion that they can afford to have a few slides. But other than Boston, everyone's kind of right there in our division as well. Everyone shits on the Leafs all the time. But realistically, given the disappointing way that they've started the season and continued to do so even a little bit past the Keefe era, the record is getting better and I think it will continue to get better. But I mean, the division isn't necessarily there for grabs, but a divisional playoff spot is absolutely there up for grabs. And you know what, Lesko? If you're in the Atlantic Division right now, you want to solidify one of those three divisional spots because the Metro is running away with the wild card. Like, they're way above. I look at the standings, and it still confuses me. I look at the standings, and I see the Leafs are only like a point or two out of the division spot. But then they're like six points out yeah, of the you gotta watch, wild card. You got to look at the wild card or the conference standings to to properly uh, get a assess handle the, on it. the yeah. playoff uh, con- playoff situations. So. Right on. Well, do you want to assess them right now, or what are we doing here? Yeah, we're going to hammer out a quick Leafs here. Or yeah, let's do a quick yeah, Okay, Leafs. we'll do they a little bit tonight. of Leafs here, and then we'll we'll do some uh, WJC with Mr. Mark. Yeah, we'll take our break, tee up the call, and have them on yeah. the next 510 here. So one, one question that kind of arose from the Taylor Hall situation is that there is actually a, a pretty potent uh, pending UFA potential rental market for the upcoming trade deadline. I know... When we talked about this previously, we were kind of the the belief that now nah, this is the Leafs team; they're not going to do anything. But then I think about a management group that's this creative, and is is there anyone out there? Like, is there someone that they might take a run at? I hate the fact that it's already been reported, so it just sounds like I'm regurgitating the report. But I mean, Wayne Simmons, okay? He did he not just become the most available slash expendable UFA to be out there because New Jersey where he plays, just traded away their best fucking player. Well, that's what's interesting is is there was a statement from Shiro saying that this isn't a fire sale. This is not a folding up the team. Well, but what is it then? But yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what are you doing then? Because we're I re- ride Kyle Palmieri. Yeah, I really feel as if you're mailing it in for this year. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Blake Coleman, one of the greatest players in the NHL, for sure. But all kidding aside, let's go. They don't have the guns to get anything done. They're well behind the eight ball. Season's over. They are packing it up and fucking folding it right into the closet until next year. I like that you mentioned Wayne Simmons because he he would address that sandpaper issue that the Leafs always talk about. We might be a Wayne Simmons away from being a contender. You know, I would fucking love Wayne Simmons just because I love the way the guy plays hockey. Um, We we know what he's capable of in in the right uh, lineup situation and circumstances. I'm just interested in what it would take to get such a guy. And my assumption is, despite the rental status, it's going to take like a you know a young player, potential roster, and some salary retained on New Jersey's end. Well, I don't know about potential roster, because if they're going for futures, then just give them the futures. And right. our deal with a guy like Wayne Simmons, I'm sorry, it would have to include the extension. Yeah, because I know, no I know you just do the rental, let's go. Right, I know rentals that... But what's a Wayne Simmons extension cost you? Is it pennies on the dollar right now based on his performance? Well, he's getting he got the one year at five mil. Yeah, which it seems outlandish even right now. Term great, salary not so much. But it's all relative to how the cap goes yeah, up. But the Leafs can't afford to invest five mil five mil on a forward. True. It in that is very that, true. Five million dollars or six million or whatever it costs should be going into Jake Muzzin's pocket. Yeah, I'll but tell you then that why much. don't you just trade Kapanen for picks? You don't need a roster player back. Trade Kapanen and his three million, get the picks back, 
use those picks because you're Dubas and you love them, and then bring in a guy like Simmons on a contract extension. Yeah, there's there's no way something like that happens unless there is a, a, a move. you're freeing it up for a specific purpose. Yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. not sure I, I, I give up a young asset like happening in order to bring in someone like that. But uh, fantasizing, right? It's always fun. Yeah. No um, I wanted to bring up, I don't usually give a shit about the All-Star game. We've talked about this before, but there is an injustice going on that Frederick Anderson is not on the All-Star ballot. Okay. Now, Part of the reason why this has occurred is obviously because the Leafs have a plethora of players that are on the ballot, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, JT, and Morgan Riley. But take a look at the body of work of those four guys I just named. Marner was hurt. Yeah. Tavares was hurt. Matthews, absolutely all-star. Morgan Riley, not even close this year. No, yeah. So, (laughs) okay, that's just in amongst the Leafs. Anderson could be the Leafs MVP to date. But he is. Let's look around the Atlantic Division because Carey Price is on the ballot. Bobrovsky's on the ballot, who's had a, an abysmal year thus far. Bobrovsky's on the ballot? Correct. Rask, obviously. So right now, Frederick Anderson leads the NHL with 17 wins. Even Rask, man, he's a split guy. Well, he's having a he's having a really good year, though. I don't like, I don't I don't disagree, but he's so, a split guy. Yes, yeah, somewhat. He's he's still starting more games than you know, a lot more games than Halak is. Yeah. But uh, so right now, um, Frederick Anderson is second only to Garask in goals against average and save percentage in the Atlantic Division, and he's seventh and fifth respectively league wide in those statistics. And just for the listeners, and also for myself, uh, it is divisional voting and whatnot. Correct? Right. It's it's, it's by it's not by yeah because they're divisional yeah, yeah. teams, yeah. right? Right. Okay. But okay. they still have that dumb rule. It's like, oh, well, somebody from everywhere has got to make it. That's how we end up with fucking Jimmy Howard in the net last year. I kind of wish, Oh yeah. I kind of wish that maybe they would, we just talked about this last episode with the world cup and Olympics and stuff like that. Wouldn't it be neat if the NHL all-star game was just like something like that? Like if they did like a, like, like a, a little world, if cup. they did the exact same thing that they did for the teams at the world cup, do team Europe, do team right. international. If you have to, I guess you don't have to because it's the NHL, but like do, yeah, do team Europe and then do team North America mm-hmm. and then do team young guns, team rookies. You don't have a rookie team? Something to fire the boys up. Yeah, that reminds me back. That'd be cool. Was that the late nineties, early two thousands when it was Team North America versus the world? Yes. Which yeah. was, was kinda interesting and it seemed that is the last time I remember players like being a little amped up about the game. Caring it, more. Because it was like uh just, you know, a connection with your teammates and a little bit of passion, um, a little bit of international pride going into that hockey game. Um, cycling back to the Leafs here since we just went on that quick tangent, but uh, solid win over Buffalo. Austin Matthews, obviously, with probably one of the nicest goals I think he scored. Um, you know, I... I that was disgusting. I almost creamed my jeans with the bar down from that uh, nice pass from Riley. And then he goes out and completely undresses Buddy and then scores on Allmark and fucking Ristolainen, who's playing backup goalie. That looked like a like a Tuesday night pickup goal. No, that looked like like video game. That's what I mean. Shit. Like it just it just looked like some amazing play that you see at pickup because the guy's really talented and the goalie is me. Yeah, he's a league above everyone yeah. else on the and ice. The goalie and the goalie is me and I tried to make the Allmark move because that's something that a beer leaguer would have to do. But I don't even blame Allmark. I'm I'm kinda goofing on him, Lesko, but I don't blame Allmark in no, one he, bit. He because, doesn't expect the defender to get danced like that. No, he but not only that dude, he must absolutely must respect the shot given that he just buried one top cheese yeah. short side. And then let's go the shift immediately after the goal. 
the the first goal he had. Did you, did you do you remember the crossbar he had right after? Yeah. Oh my god, the crossbar I think was even the crossbar was even better than the goal, and it didn't even go in. It was just such a disgusting rip show. And the bar could be heard all over North America, for fuck's sake. It was yeah. incredible. And I was like, man, this guy is going. And then, of course, he scores that absolute beaut, which was incredible. You must have been lucky enough to be, what, were you still home? Hadn't left yet Oh, yeah, hockey? I got the first two periods, and uh, it was pretty exciting. And as soon as I got so in my car. I'm so glad I got to see those goals live because they fired me right up. As and... soon as I got in my car, he scored that beauty. Oh, yeah? I, yeah, I got a message. Oh, Someone sent me a message, all caps, oh, my God, Matthews. So I had to pull it up and... Hopefully, uh, police officers or other fellow insurance brokers aren't <laughs> listening, but I was watching it driving. <laughs> yeah, it was an excellent bounce back performance for Austin Matthews in that game, considering he played a, uh, I think, a season low 14 minutes against the Edmonton Oilers. A uh, bit of a story out of that, but I mean, if you, if you watch the game, uh, he didn't really deserve to play. And that's fine. And neither did William Nylander. They had an off night. And I really liked that Keith said, fuck it. All right, I'm rolling with the other guys, especially because uh, the fourth line had scored that night and was having a good night. I'm going to put those guys out a little more. Why not? And we won. So it worked. Exactly. It absolutely worked. And uh, speaking of the fourth line, Freddie the Goat, after a four-game sit-down, and someone who I thought maybe had fallen out of favor a little bit with the Maple Leafs in this situation, uh, gets dressed against Edmonton, scores a beauty of a goal, and then scores another beauty last night off a, a friendly bounce onto his tape. He rips one. Hey, it looked like Matthews sniping that shot. You know what was so funny is immediately, like, I didn't, I, it, it didn't come out of my mouth, but I thought in my mind, Matthews. Oh, no, it's not Matthews. Like, <laughs> it was just because of the that play, I think also because he kind of came off, he came out of the screen. Yeah. He came from out of the screen. And then he's left-handed, and in his first, his number's thirty-three. Yeah. And as soon as he ripped the shot, I was—I think I might have been looking at my phone, and I just kind of looked up right as soon as he scored, and I wanted to say Matthews. No, I was it's paying not. attention. I thought it was Matthews. Yeah, so. it's not Matthews, but it was great to see the goat score. And you know what, dude? Um, in one of our Facebook groups, we have like the little game day threads where everyone goes in and you know chats and whatnot, little lineup changes. Everyone gets together and enjoys the game while it's going on. And I, it was my turn to do the game day thread for the group. And in the thread towards the end of it, I clearly indicated the goat is in and he's got to have a big game. He's got to have a big game and he's going to, and he's, he scores and it was a great game for him. And the reason why I thought it was so great, let's go is because I think he was put in a bit of a precarious position where Sheldon, the new coach was not sugarcoating it at all when he said he was asked by a reporter is there anything that freddie the goat can do to get him back in there and sheldon's answer was unfortunately there's nothing that frederick can do because he's just the odd man out at this time and this is where we're going that was like a that would be a tough thing to hear as it's the player. A, it's a little bit of a call out too. It's Maybe. Like you, you're going to have to obviously be better if, if, if you get another opportunity. Yeah, but and, if you got the coach saying that there's nothing you can do, that means you're working your ass off in practice. You're staying late. You're I coming early. I think it's a little bit of a compliment too, though. It's saying that he is doing all the right things. Okay. It's not a matter of him coming out because of, you know, thing X he did in practice or what he did last game. Yeah, okay, right? that, that's so fair. It's, it's more of a shake-up. It's, it's trying to get other guys in the, in the lineup. And I think what's created a bit of a predicament for the Maple Leafs is the emergence of Pierre Engvall. Oh, it has. Good problem to what have. What a hockey player. What a neck. What a, what a long <laughs> bastard. <laughs> 
Dude, he is relentless. He's like a, he's like a, he's like Zach Hyman when Zach Hyman first bust on the scene. Yeah. But he's, he's even got a little bit better hands. That kind of work ethic, a little better hands. And, um, you know, it's just been a, a delight on the penalty kill for the Leafs. And, and as we mentioned previous show, uh, one of the tops PKs in the league. Well, you throw him uh, and Keith Hyman. Came, came yeah, out. yeah. You throw him and Hyman. What are they over 90%? Yeah. You throw him and Hyman out there on the PK. I'm almost hoping for goals. Yeah, so this creates a bit of a lineup dilemma. Um, Trevor Moore has been practicing lately. Sounds like he might be coming back within the next week yeah, or so. Yeah, what's going on there? Do you have any knowledge? I was so, trying to find out so today. So he was slotted. It sounded like he was going to dress the other day. I want to say Saturday night. Yes. And he actually got bumped in practice. Okay, and, I heard that. And was not comfor- feeling comfortable enough to play. And once again was wearing a red jersey at practice as of this morning. So it sounds like they're not going to have to make a decision quite yet. But my immediate thought is, is, is you know, and this is not due to poor play or anything, but uh, Timishov probably has to come out because the goat's hot. Spets has been putting up great points and plays on your is a big part of that second unit. So it's got to be Timishov who comes out. I, I agree. I think that's I think that's about as obvious as a choice as there could be. And the reason why I feel that way is because I think I think you could look at doing a rotation of sorts between the goat. And the Zaw. And that would effectively give Spezza some time off, some load management, if you will. Uh, keep him fresh, keep him going so that come playoff time, a guy like Jason Spezza is playing important minutes for right. the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2020. Could you imagine if I told you that in 2002, Lesko? Hey, dude, in like 20 years, 18 years. Jason Spatz is going to play huge minutes in round one of the playoffs. You I would, would have been me. stoked because I would have been dumb enough to believe a, that that would happen and B that he would be still, still be a hundred point player. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But it just seems so unlikely. Even now when I see him skating out there with the fridge on his back, like he always has. <laughs> and you know, he loves to hang on to the puck and he loves to try and thread passes to, to players with speed. And I think that honest to God, I feel let's go like, like the Jason Spezza acquisition is the most money ball kind of reference for Dubas as you could ever possibly get. He's a good value contract. Value and effective. The, his points per 60 is is like unreal for, for what they're paying for. And, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, perfect example of value contract. Yeah. Bringing a guy in the league men. Uh, That's the new boy. NHL, dude. That's the new love NHL. I, I do. We said it right when they signed him. Love the signing. And, yeah. And, and, it only seemed like it could be good, and at that, you know, a lot of upside with a lot low risk at that salary. So. Yeah, and it's been great. I love cheering for him, and uh, I think it'll be good to end the season as well and go into the playoffs. So, all right, dude. So we're gonna what? Take our quick break here. Yeah, we'll take our quick break, and uh, we will tee up the interview with Mark Vanderlucht. WJC, friend of the show. We're gonna cover some World Junior Championships. When we come back here on the Pucks in Deep podcast, episode 50. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingling. Now here's a turnover. 
Lewis. You know exactly what that tune means, buddy. The best time, the most wonderful time of the year, the World Juniors. You know, a year ago, almost to the day, we did this episode previewing the World Junior Championships. And it's just something that uh, makes me a different kind of excited. What about you? It's not like NHL. It's just different. We talked about it before, especially having cheered for an abysmal franchise for several years. (laughs) I used to get a little extra excited because it was like, Okay, we're all on the same team here, and and we're cheering for a good team and a team that you feel like has a chance to win it all every time. Every time, and I think one of the greatest things about the tournament itself, don't get me wrong, I want Canada to win, okay? But what I love about the tournament is that at any time, any year, really, there's a good four or five maybe teams that can win the gold medal. And it's a real shock when the Canadian team is fails to win the gold medal. It's an even bigger shock when they fail to medal and finish sixth like they, like they did last year. I was wondering about that, and, and it's probably why I don't remember last year's tournament very well because I'm like, what, what did they finish? And then we looked it up quickly before we started recording here, and we're like, holy shit, they finished sixth with this. Considering the success and how spoiled we've been as, as fans of, of this tournament and of, this, uh, of Team Canada, I mean... We had some pretty remarkable teams, which we, we highlighted with that intro. I mean, that, you know, those, those Jordan Eberle, the John Tavares, I mean, in Ottawa and Toronto, man, like what, those are some of my finest memories. And, and, you know, I'll always remember Jordan Eberle for the, probably some of the greatest, not just the greatest world junior moments I've ever seen, but some of the greatest hockey moments, hockey moments. I've ever seen in my lifetime. Absolutely. Like, even leading up to that moment too, when I was talking to Kirsty about it just earlier, when the Russians iced the puck and then they were kind of laughing and grinning in the, you know, during the time before the face off. And then all of a sudden they fucking get scored on. And it's like, that's why, that's why you don't ice the puck, you idiots. You know, and it was just a great moment. And uh, especially the one in Ottawa, the Taveras hat trick when the States, what did they do after the second Taveras goal? They poke someone on the bench and they poke the fucking bear. And I think the broadcasters commented on that, you know, they woke the bear and, Taveras ends up getting the hat trick into the empty net. Such a phenomenal time. What a great call from Gordon Miller, too. All those calls feature Gordon Miller. I feel, like, I feel like I should tag him on Twitter or something. TSN does a <laughs> hell of a job on the on the broadcasting of that. Absolutely. Event. I remember we talked about that last year. And speaking about doing a hell of a job covering the World Junior Championships, I believe we've got Mark Vanderlucht on the line. Mark, you there, buddy? Hey, boys. How's it going? All right. Look at that. Seamless work into the conversation here with Mark. Listen, Mark, uh, welcome back to the Pucks in Deep podcast. Um, You know, right off the top, I mean, what does it mean to you, Mark, uh, as you get prepared? Like, obviously, you're doing us a solid here. You know, you did your homework on the World Junior preview. You're going to give us a lot of great info, which we'll jump into momentarily. 
But overall, you know, you're a lot younger than we are. You're in your early 20s. What's the what's the feel for you as a as a young lad coming in? Like, what stands out to you for the World Juniors every year? Well, it's just a sense of pride and a sense of patriotism. Just seeing that red maple leaf being draped over some really special names over the past years. You got John Tavares, Jonathan Taze, Eric Lindros, Wayne Gretzky, Sidney Crosby, right? You get a lot of legendary names, and you see a lot of rookies now, a lot of young players donning those colors, and it's like, all right, are you going to be able to perform up to these expectations? And those expectations are gold medal every single year, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, we were just talking about it in the intro and just how our expectations are always really high. And, and I've almost felt a little disengaged over the last couple of years just because I, I felt like Team Canada maybe lacked a bit of star power, a little bit of flash. I know they won the gold going back in 2018, but uh, after last year and then I think previous to that, a silver and a, a six pl- another sixth-place finish that was quite disappointing. Um, tell me about a little bit about Team Canada, though, Mark. Like, uh, Who are the players to watch for them? Well, definitely Alexei Lafreniere. He's a draft-eligible forward for Canada this coming season. He's on the first line tonight against Switzerland. And then on the second line, you got Quinton Byfield, who is kind of like an Eric Lindros clone. I'm not going to say he's the next Lindros because that's those are big shoes. He's on the second left-wing line. And then you got... Uh, uh, Dylan Mercer on the fourth line, he's kind of like a, a plug-in sort of player. It's hard to explain what his role is going to be for the team, but he's another draft-eligible player. And one thing I really uh, I, I find really interesting with Canada is that they have zero draft-eligible defense on their team. Nico Dawes is a draft-eligible goalie for Canada. Their goaltending is a bit of a question mark right now. It's really murky. And then their their forwards though, like they they have a really high powered offense. They got Foot on there, Barrett Hayton, Cousins, Delandria. They they've got really high powered offense, and it's gonna be fun to see. Like it's gonna be typical junior hockey. Gonna be uh, watching this year. Yeah, and I think by by commenting typical junior hockey, Mark, or just just to confirm that, I mean, are you kind of alluding to the fact that? Uh, these guys are kids still, and there's lots of mistakes and turnovers and leads that look insurmountable all of a sudden are gone <laughs> within moments. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest things about this tournament is how games are really never over. And I think Lesko and I were talking just earlier about how being Leaf fans over the years, it's been difficult to cheer for the team. Not difficult to cheer for them, but it sucks cheering for them because they have not been very good. Whereas with Canada, you can always get on that wagon and feel like you can be a winner. But then all of a sudden, a big lead is gone or you finish in sixth and you're really disappointed about it. I think it, it causes a lot of emotions for Canadian fans to cheer for. Oh, and I, I absolutely agree. And it's not even being a bandwagon fan, right? Because obviously we're Canadian and we're going to support our boys in red and white. It's just our demand for excellence, right? They have that program of excellence that they have for developing their prospects and their, their quality talent. But the, the previous years, last year they got sixth place. Like it's hard to get into a product that is not going to bring results, right? And the year before that was gold, and the year before that was silver. But then the year before that, they didn't even medal. 
it's just there's there's a level of inconsistency that Canada needs to adjust and make sure that they right the ship this year. So where do you rank Canada coming into this tournament overall and, and kind of set their chances at, uh, at chasing gold? Well, you look at their team. They've got Lafreniere. They've got Byfield. They've got a very high-powered offense. But the question is in goaltender. There's no real answer in net. Last year, or the, the last time Canada won gold, was when they had Carter Hart in net. And he is a very special goalie. But this year, they have Nico Dawes, who's who's draft eligible. He's going to be a great piece eventually for a future NHL team. It's just Canada doesn't have an answer in net. Their, their offense will carry them, no question about it. But it's about the goaltending, which will be the X factor for them this, this tournament. Well, I'm really glad that you alluded to goaltending mark because that was my biggest point uh in this tournament not only are the kids young and there's a lot of mistakes which can lead to lead changes and whatnot but i feel like first and foremost the team that's going to make the most amount of noise out there is the team that rides a hot goalie and we've even seen it we've even seen it from some of the lesser teams quote unquote the switzerland's of the world and the latvia's of the world yeah yeah they're not going to meddle but my goodness, look at their goaltender go. And I mean, if you're going to have any chance to go deep in the tournament, we're talking about a one-loss elimination, okay? There's no series to be played here. You don't get another crack at this. And I think that is a lot of pressure on these young kids, especially the goaltenders, which, as we all know, Mark, is a pretty mental position to begin with. Oh, absolutely. And you see that Mark Vizantino was in net. Carey Price has been in net. Calvin Picard has been in that. Shet Picard has been in that. Like, just so many different goalies. And you see, like, the differing quality of talent going through this system. Carey Price is probably a Hall of Famer. But what is Shet Picard? Right? Right. Like, Where it's, is that it's guy? just one of those things. Who? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Justin Pogge. Oh, right? God. Like, oh, boy. Don't even start. You with win that gold guy. medals with some of these guys, and it's like, all right, so what are you going to be? In five years, you you see some of these teams go through the motions of how they deal with adversity. It's it's all about the mental make of how you deal with adversity. Can this team go through this tournament and be able to handle the rigors of the pressure, right? You're playing for Canada. You're playing for a hockey-crazy country. Uh, there's no beating around the bush. Canada is hockey. Hockey is Canada. And if you're a goalie for Canada, it could feel like the weight is on your shoulders and like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. But you got to be able to embrace that. If you can't embrace it, then get out of the net. And that might be one of the biggest X factors going into this tournament because as some of the guys you mentioned previously, they've always been a huge storyline in these tournaments. And we've had goalies make their name here and, and whether or not they panned out in the NHL is irrelevant, but make their name in this tournament. So it'll be interesting to see who emerges here and if they can you know, bring Canada deep. Uh, so do you have a favorite, though, for the gold? I mean, is there is there another team you think that has a, a better chance? Well... You look at some of the other competition, like Russia, they have a really interesting goalie. Uh, his his name is Askarov. I forget what his first name is, but he's he's projected to be a top 10 pick this coming summer, and he's going to be a, uh, a real big X-factor for Russia. They're armed with a deep forward pool, as 
all Russian teams of any tournament always are. Um, and then you you see what Finland is always doing. They're always going to be tough competition. You see what the U.S. is doing. They're always going to be tough competition. I'd probably say my favorite is Canada, but that's probably being a little biased. I don't know if it's too biased, though, Mark. I, I had a chance to look at the odds online because, you know, as with anything, you can bet on it. If there's sports yep. playing, you can bet on it. They've got Canada listed as the favorite. And actually, it's quite a heavy favorite. Um, they're, they're in line big time, uh, followed by the USA and then Finland, Russia and Sweden top out the top five. So I think you're in line to say that uh, Canada should be the favorite here. Um, I, I kind of want to touch briefly on what you said as far as hockey is Canada and Canada is hockey. Going through the clips um, <clears throat> to create the intro that we just used to come into our World Junior segment, I wanted to use the Kapanen uh, golden goal, but unfortunately yeah. I, was, I was unable to find audio that was good enough to, to use, unfortunately. But it led me to d d uh, dig a little deeper into Finland and their success on the, on the world stage. And, you know, within the last three to five years, Finland has really been making a name for themselves as far as the fact that you have to consider they're only five and a half million people strong and they are turning heads in the hockey community, not only in the NHL with the likes of Mikko Rantanen, Patrick Laine, Sasha Barkov, the list goes on and on. Sebastian Ajo. I mean, they are doing fantastic work. I feel like Finland might be becoming a team to make sure that you include in conversations when you talk about hockey countries. Oh, absolutely. And there was a piece done on Finland as far as what they bring to the NHL table or even in terms of international table. Pound for pound, they literally are as good as Canada. It's just the lack of population, right? It's just one of those resources that really just draws away the the bullets in the gun to say, uh, like you said, Finland's got great players. It's just they don't have enough of those great players. Like Jesse Pugliarvi, if he found the right team, he would be un unbelievable. He's six foot four and he's 190 pounds with skill and power. Like that's so hard to defend in the NHL. And then you have Patrick Laine, who's got a cannon of a shot. Sasha Barkov, who is a phenomenal two-way centerman. And then their defense, which Toronto has been dipping at, dipping in at the pool lately. The defense has been pretty good. In the past, they've got Teppo Newman in. And then you get their goalies. Like, we, we all know who their goalies are. Mika Kiprasov, Tuka Rask, Vesa Toskalin, Toskala before he was a Leaf. Right, like <laughs> good, Finland, good, Finland's, good Finland's got there. <laughs> a good team, right? Like it's just pound for pound. If they had more people in that country, they'd be a superpower of the of the world. And they definitely demand respect at this point, Mark. They're coming in as the reigning champions. So I yep. mean, oh, yeah. I feel like if any of those kids or the coaching staff or managers, whatever, if they're looking at the betting line and saying, "Look, boys, they got us at fucking third. They got the states." and Canada at number one. And let's be honest, when you're from Finland or Sweden or Czech Republic or Slovakia or Russia, you're looking at both Canada and the United States as the the West. 
You know, they got the fucking West up there. They got North America. No, let's beat those boys. So I feel like it's almost like when NHL teams come into Toronto on a Saturday night. They know that the world, the hockey world, is watching this game right now, and they absolutely bring it. So when anyone plays Canada, and now I guess a little bit more so specifically when the tournament is held in Canada, but either way, when teams play Canada, they realize that they are on the stage. Everyone's watching, and we want to beat these guys. So it can be tough, I think, to expect uh, you know, un- unparalleled success, gold medals every time when we know that every team is bringing their A game when they play Team Canada. Oh, I couldn't agree more, right? It's one of those things where you get up easier for the better teams and getting up for the worst teams is a little more difficult. And then you look at Team Canada's experience from the World Juniors. They're, they've got five returning players from last year's tournament. That's Barrett Hayton, Lafreniere, McIsaac, Smith, Valino, right? Like, it's, it's, it's important to have experience at this tournament. You want guys with skill who can lead the team. It's, it's good to have a balanced team, but with a tournament like this where it's an end-all, be-all, winner-takes-all sort of thing, you want all of your chips on the table. You want the best possible team going forward. And uh, going back to Canada and the USA, uh, obviously we, we always look forward to the uh, game in the round robin where they face off against each other each and every year, it seems. Um, I was always a big fan of the the New Year's Eve game. I mean, you usually at a party or with some buddies having a few. And often that game would dictate whoever won the division. Now, as it stands, Canada and the U.S. are facing off at 1 p.m. Eastern on Boxing Day. Oh, so yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on what you thought about that, Mark. Well, it's one of those things where, like, you gotta you got to start off on the right foot, right? And making sure that you get up for a game against the States because you know they'll they'll get up against Canada. It's important to get that first win under the belt because Canada then has Russia to deal with. But then they get to end off their group stage easier and easier. They play Germany and then Czech Republic to round out their preliminary action. So it's important to get those points while you can, especially against a team like the States. So Lesko talked about the Canada versus USA, some traditions, uh, getting together, having a few, like he said. Do you personally have any kind of uh, traditions that you like to embark upon when the World Juniors uh, are upon us, Mark? I'll say this. I am not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. <laughs> so I'll try and find stuff that usually works from time to time. But when it loses, it's like, all right, let's go back to the drawing board here. What's going on? I like, uh, personally, I'm really excited that they're starting off with a bang against the USA. Uh Lesko and I talked about this. I think it was last episode. I, I kind of mentioned, I, I related it to the start of the NHL season where I'm really pumped up for the start of the NHL season, but I'm even more pumped up when the Leafs don't play on opening night because then I get two opening nights. I get the first opening night where I can hop around and watch the games and not have to worry about watching every second of the Leaf game, which is what I do as a huge Leaf fan. And then if the Leafs play the next night or the night after, that's another opening night for me personally as a fan where I get to sit down and and watch the Leafs play. But when we're talking about the World Juniors, I don't really know how excited I'm going to be about watching three complete blowouts on day one one of the tournament. So I'm really hopeful that 
the USA and Canada are going to give us one of their World Junior Classics right away on Boxing Day, 1 o'clock. You know people are going to be cracking the pints for that one. I will be. <laughs> well, and the one thing I'll say, though, is like it's a pick-your-poison sort of way you want to go through a tournament, though. Do you want the easier competition first and then the harder competition? Or do you want the harder competition first and then the easier competition? Luckily, I'm a fan. So I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just get you almost think the warm-up games aren't too bad. The Belaruses and the Switzerlands, you know, you Kazakhstan. Yeah, you kind of have a, a points night there once or twice before you get into the U.S. But well, uh, we beat Denmark fourteen nothing last year right? and finished sixth. Yeah, yeah. I guess that didn't help much. Didn't help much, did it? Stats padding. <laughs> well, uh, so- and that's that's one of those things where like it's important to get into those repetitions, and you want to be able to face those good teams first, and you want to get that confidence against the good teams, and then you get to reward yourself if you have been good against the good teams, right? It's one of those like you. It's important to get those points off the bat because if if you get later into the group stage and you need those points, it's it's good to get that first win. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, uh, Mark, over the last 10 years, as we uh, talked about briefly here, we've got one, two, three, four, five. We got six medals, okay, in the last 10 years, which right off the bat feels fine, but only two golds and three silvers and a bronze, okay? And included in that list are one, two, three, four times where we didn't medal. Two of those four times, we finished in sixth place. So... Given the fact that we just won gold in 2018, it's not that long ago, do you feel like as a nation it's imperative that the Canadians at least medal this year, finishing a sixth-place finish last year on home soil, by the way? You know what? Um, I'm I'm a gold medal or bust kind of guy. Like, you're in this tournament for one reason and one reason only, to win. You're not in there for moral victories. You're not in there for, oh, we we did okay. We could have done a little better. We get a participation award. No, you're in there for gold. <laughs> like, you're in there for gold. You're not in there for moral victories. I, don't, I love it. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's been we – haven't, we haven't missed the podium in consecutive years since 2013-2014, where we had back-to-back – fourth place finishes in Ufa, Russia and Malmo, Sweden, excuse me, respectively. So if we fail to medal this year, it'll be a sixth place finish on home soil followed by whatever place we finish failing to medal if that happens this year. All I'm saying at this point is I I do personally think that it's imperative that we at least medal. I I totally do agree with you, Mark, though. I'm and I'm in the same boat as you where I am expecting a gold medal. But that can be a little nonsensical if we're considering, you know, the fact that they're coming in against some other team that's playing a a goaltender that hasn't been scored on in three consecutive games. Like you can't just you can't just expect the team to win every game. You can have high expectations for their finish, but I think it's unfair to say that they have to win. But in my eyes, even if they fail to win the gold medal game, at least they've made it to the gold medal game and they will receive a silver medal if they do lose. Whereas... Geez, man, if we don't finish again, we're talking about twice in the last 10 years where we failed to medal consecutively. And now I feel we're coming back to my original point where a team like Finland is maybe surpassing us as a hockey nation if we can't even medal at this tournament. 
No, you know what? That's where I'll disagree because that, that thinking works for the NHL, right? You're all in it for the process. You're all in it for the development. You're, you're developing your prospects. But then when you're in a tournament like this for two weeks, you want gold. There's no, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. You want the gold. They're like, that's it. That's all. Yeah, we're pretty selfish as as Canadian fans, right? and like, I think we were we were also very spoiled. Over win, you motherfuckers! Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> like I, I get so angry at these teenagers, the teenagers when they don't win because I expect excellence, especially when you know in the was the late two thousands when like four or five straight golds. I mean, the the bar has been set incredibly high. Yep. Yeah, but well. You but know, the, it's not 2009 anymore. Like, Sorry, Mark. It's not 2009 anymore. We're not the best nation five no, years no, in no, a row. No, Time no but here's, here's what's up, though, is Canada has the number one and two ranked prospects coming into this year's draft. How on earth do they not get a medal? Right? Yeah, and I, I imagine we're expecting big things out of Lafreniere this time around. I know he didn't yep. play a large role on the team last year. Uh, and perhaps maybe an increased role and, and hopefully a few more points might uh, put them in a position to do so. I'm putting you no, on. Sorry, Mark. Abs- go yeah, ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. No, no, no you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're too Canadian here. We're yeah. way too Canadian. Sorry, but wow. sorry about that, eh? So yeah. <laughs> listen, what I was going to ask you, if you want to put a pin on Lesko's thought was, do we, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but do we know who's coaching the team? It's Dale Hunter. Okay. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about that? Like, do you have any thoughts as far as the deployment and, you know, the way that Dale Hunter is approaching this tournament this year? Well, I don't know so much about his deployment tactics, but I do know that he's got a pretty good track record with the London Knights. Uh, that that team itself has produced several NHL players. I know the World Junior teams always do, but... Um, this, this time around, though, I, I like having Dale Hunter there because he's got that proven track record with junior talent. Yeah, he's probably a good solid call, I think. And, and if we're going to look at your, uh, your model uh, junior hockey organization, look no further than the London Knights on that yes. one. Uh, I guess in, in order to wrap things up a little bit, I think we're doing a uh, kind of our all-decade and stuff uh, review show for next week. But uh, is there anything that really stands out for you? Like, do you have a favorite memory player over the years? Oh, from the World Juniors, yeah. then? I'd definitely say the New Year's Eve Classic um, with J- Tavares' hat trick and Jordan Everly's shootout, or uh, not shootout, but the 5.4 second uh, tire. I, I think that's mine as well. I think we mentioned yeah. that earlier. That's a, that's, I, I said earlier that that's not just a a uh, all-time world junior moment but an all-time hockey moment that i've yeah. at least witnessed in my lifetime it will forever be the last highlight audio clip in our world junior preview intro because it's just the greatest moment i don't know where you were mark when that occurred but i was in my apartment in ottawa at school with probably eight or nine bros just you know, drinking beers, wearing our jerseys and everyone kind of, you know how it goes, Mark. Oh, well, yeah. we're fucking done. You know, that's it. Blah, blah, blah. And then they oh, score. Man. And it's just the oh, most man. silly of all time. Yep. Well, cause like I got more hyped up for that game tying goal than when they won the gold medal. Yeah. It was that's more exciting. Like, yeah. was more hyped exciting. I, was. I had tears yeah. in my eyes. It was like, 
I can't believe we actually tied it. There's 5.4 seconds. Sure, it's not exactly a buzzer beater, but that's as close as you get. And then the Russian player, he lollygags it from the center ice and ices the puck, and it's like, buddy, come on. You had so much time and space. It's true. He did. It's true. I was explaining the exact goal earlier to Kirsty, my fiance. I said, you don't even understand because you weren't watching it and you don't really know the rules that well. But basically, he only had to go another three feet and they would have <laughs> yep. won the game. They would have won the yeah. game. But yeah. nope. And they laughed about it in the whistle there and all of a sudden, before you know it, tie fucking game and we're talking about yeah. it still 10, whatever it is, years later, you know? Crazy. Yep. Gotta and then okay, so I'll I'll say one more game though. I it was a gold medal game against the states. Jordan Eberle was a part of it, and uh, uh, Canada was down four two. They had two power plays back to back. Jordan Eberle scores bap bap to tie it up at four four. Then, unfortunately, I believe it was John Carlson down the wing who short 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 side Golden on goal. Canada. Yeah, right. But uh, that one, that one was huge. I was literally jumping up and down when that happened. That was such a sweet call from Gord Miller too, because he was like, "He did it again." He yeah, did it again. He really Jordan did. Everly yeah. is the biggest hero in World Junior history, and I'm still waiting for him to replicate that kind of shit at the NHL level. No kidding. Oh, just put him in the playoffs, though. Right. right? Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, listen, buddy. Any uh, any parting thoughts that you wanted to get off your chest before we move on here, or what? Well, I'll definitely say that Canada is a team to look after. Alexei Lafreniere only put up one point last season. He's certainly going to do way better this year. All right. So, and what do you you want to call him for? Uh, you want to call him for a tournament MVP? I'll let you do that if you want it, my oh, friend. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. All right. We got yep. Mark Vanderlook, the in yep. World Junior Insider. Mark, yep. uh, why don't you give the uh, listeners your Twitter handle? They can give you a follow. It's Lugsy, uh, it, I T S. L-U-G-T-S-Y. Pretty ambiguous to say out loud, eh? Because what's your Twitter <laughs> handle? And and you say, it's Lugsy. Oh, okay. So like L-U-G. No, it's no, just no. Lugsy? No, no. It's Lugsy. Yeah, I know. You already yeah. told me that. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, dude. Well, yeah, man. thanks a lot for joining us again, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, glad it all worked out for us here. And uh, excited to have you on once again. Enjoy the tournament. And I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again in the new year. Yeah, no worries, guys. Thanks for having me on again. I love it. Hey, no problem, buddy. Merry Christmas to you and yours, eh, chum? Yeah, Merry Christmas, bud. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, you too. All right, dude. Well, there it is. Mark Vanderloop. Pumping up the world juniors. He's been our insider a couple times, right? I mean, the guy... uh, I'm glad that we have a guy like that on because today I was like, oh, I should probably look up some shit about world juniors and kind of, you know... I follow Mark Masters is probably the extent of my, my content. You know, I'm just getting the, the lineups and the cuts yeah, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. But News I'm like, I don't even need to fucking pay attention because Mark's going to come on here and tell me what's up. It's so true. Again, I said that to Kirsty today about a half an hour before you came. I said, you know what, babe? She goes, can you help me with the floor? I said, fuck, you know what? I, I got to go upstairs and like look at the World Junior stuff, you know? And then I kind of said... All right, I don't really have to do that. Like, I got a guy coming on. He's going to talk about them. He's done his homework. So, yeah, I'll help you with the flooring. And then I ended up not helping her anyway. So, I got away with it, I guess. But good episode, man. I mean, are we wrapping it up or what? Yeah, we're firing tonight. All right, let's wrap it up. I was well rested, you know. I got, went to bed pretty early last night. I was feeling good today at work. Didn't work too hard, you know. Save some for tonight. Yeah, shocker. Right? I wish I could say the same. I was fucking pulling my hair out, worried about the stupid intro. Because ah, I yes. thought I fucking lost it. 
Thank you, Audacity, you free program son of a gun. Well. Helping me out. Paying for itself. All right, listen, thanks for joining us here on the Pucks and Deep Podcast. Episode 50 is a wrap. Enjoy the World Junior Championships, and we will see you over the Christmas holidays. Hey, yeah, let's go. We'll get back. together. We're coming, we're coming back, back next week. Uh, we're going to do a decade in review. We're going to go over some of our favorite uh, all-time Leaf lineups from the not well, all-decade lineups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing WJC. We're going to talk a little Canada. We're going to talk about some of the top players in the NHL over the last 10 years. And other than that, though, we're going to keep it real casual. Oh, keeping it cash. Minimal prep work. No and, prep work. And we're going to fill you guys in. We're going to do a little personal decade review, I think, too. Uh, just kind of shoot the shit and a uh, little casual episode for Maybe you have a few beers. Oh, a few beers. Mandatory. Mandatory. Mandatory three-beer podcast. <laughs> and that's not only for us. That's for you guys for, as yeah, well. Yeah, well, you're listening. So you get your cream ores or whatever the fuck you want to drink, and we'll see you over the Christmas holidays. Merry Christmas and a happy fucking New Year. No fear, free plugs on beers. <laughs>